welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me from the movie riffing group One Wall Cinema is K1, a.k.a. Kevin. Welcome back. Thanks. Also joining us from Opposite Land, where it's currently winter, is Hamish. Welcome back. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, Wolfman Jack was last episode, please. Ah, oh, okay. We're done, we're done. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, We're going to be talking a lot about the Simpsons and their experiences in Brazil in this episode. So joining us this week is somebody with firsthand knowledge, someone actually from Brazil. So joining us live via satellite from Sao Paulo is Lucas. Lucas, hello. Hi, how you doing? Good, good. Okay, maybe he's not joining us from Brazil, but still, you were just (laughs) there. Yes, about a month ago, two months ago now. (laughs) So, yeah, how was your latest visit? Uh, it was great. Um, didn't do much, but I think what I get the most out of being there is seeing my family. And that's really what I go there for. Not yeah. Nothing to get too crazy, but it was a nice visit. Now, have you ever been to Rio de Janeiro? We're going to talk a lot about Rio in this episode, of course. I have. Um, I believe it was 2005. I When I first came to the U.S., it was January of 2006, but my dad and I took a trip to Rio for a couple of days it was a quick trip, though. I didn't stay there too long. All right, so we'll we'll draw some more from your experiences as we go along. Uh, this week, we watched the 15th episode of the 13th season of The Simpsons, entitled Blame It on Lisa. It was directed by Stephen Dean Moore, written by Bob Bendenson. Uh, Bob Bendenson, uh, not a staff writer. He was a, he's a veteran TV writer. He's worked on different shows like Alf, Coach, Home Improvement, uh, he also did write the Simpsons episode, Simpsons Tall Tales, which is a, is a pretty funny episode. But uh, his most famous work, best work in my opinion, was uh, the series finale of the show Newhart. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Newhart's character wakes up in his first sitcom, The Bob Newhart Show, realizes that the entire series, Newhart, was all a dream. It was really different. It never done before and a lot of people call it one of the best moments in uh, television history now the title blame it on lisa of the simpsons episode uh, it's a takeoff of the the 1984 michael Caine film blame it on rio which of course like this episode takes place in rio de janeiro brazil and uh so a few years back <laughs> hamish joined us on the show we broke down and reviewed the simpsons episode bart versus australia in which the family goes to Australia and experiences, uh, let's just say, a very stereotypical version of Australian culture. It was it was the quintessential highest quality of the <laughs> experience of Australia that anyone has ever experienced on an animated show ever. <laughs> and obviously, uh, I thought it was the best thing that's ever been created by The Simpsons, and it is still the best ever. I could have used more enthusiasm, <laughs> but I just, I just, I just, you know, you're on a I, lot I don't, of I don't, Yeah, I, I don't want <laughs> I don't. I mean, I got, I got, I got a hay fever right now, so you know, I, I'm lucky. I, I haven't ended up actually sounding like Wolfman Jack. Oh please, again, again, again we're done. Yeah. We're done with him. I don't think so. I think there's still a lot more juice in that um, Jack Melon. <sighs> oh boy, okay. That wasn't even those. Those aren't words. <laughs> well, they're words. They just don't <laughs> make sense. Yeah. <laughs> you, you haven't had Jack Melon? Oh, I gotta get myself a Jack Melon. Had jackfruit. <laughs> Close enough. All right. Anyway, watermelon Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
<laughs> I'm sorry, but wait, why did you have watermelon Jack Daniels? Was that a, a, just a mistake, or did you just want to streamline your health and your drinking? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> well, anyway. So, yeah, the, that Australian episode, full of controversy. It, it turned into this whole big thing. There was a letter-writing campaign. We get all into it in that episode, but... Here we are, seven seasons later, they did it all over again, this time making the nation of Brazil very upset. For this episode, we now have Lucas to help us, uh, you know, maybe debunk some of the elements of this episode and certainly answer a lot of our dumb questions. Lucas, from your experience, are the Simpsons popular in Brazil? Do you ever hear about them down there? Do, you know, do any of your family members watch it or like going around the city? Do you ever see a Bart Simpson t-shirt or anything? They are definitely popular. Um... They play translated episodes like during the afternoon in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, so like probably three, four p.m. They would play like at least maybe even now. Um, I remember watching last year. They play like Futurama, Simpsons, stuff like that on a certain channel cause that has the rights to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's definitely known. It's not um, something that people are oblivious about. If if you show Homer Simpson, people know about it. Like people know who they are. It's not. I wouldn't say it's as big as it is in the U.S., but definitely popular enough now what what channel does it air on do you know i think last time i saw it was bundy dunce at like like i said in the afternoon hours because they play cartoons in the morning for kids usually that are going off to school mm-hmm. and then after that it becomes the more um, mature shows okay so it's kind of like a general all audiences type of channel yes yes it is okay that's interesting all right so Well, let's get right into this, because we have a lot to get to. So, going into this episode, we begin with a a shortened opening sequence, which is usually a sign that the actual episode needed a little more time. Uh, We don't get a chalkboard gag here. Uh, We do get a single couch gag. Uh, The family enters the room as a bunch of marionettes in this one, and they all get tangled up, and we pan up and see that Matt Groening is the puppet master. A rare depiction of Matt Groening as he really looks. So um, the episode opens with uh, an episode of Itchy and Scratchy. And this one uh, is entitled Par for the Corpse. And uh, in this golf-themed short, Itchy asks Scratchy, who is his catty, get it? Wow. (laughs) To uh, tee up a ball for him. And he leans over, Itchy jumps on his back, severs his head with a golf swing, sending Scratchy's head into space and into the eye of a, of a, a moon with a person's face. And uh, Scratchy says, nice follow through. And th- the moon says, no, that's what I call a moonshot. Mm, comedy. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> that image of Scratchy hitting the moon in the right eye, that's a take on the uh, the 1902 French silent film, A Trip to the Moon. I'm sure you guys have seen that image of the rocket ship hitting the, the moon in the face and the eye. Yes. Actually, highbrow humor here. <laughs> Oh, uh. <laughs> opposed to all the other times we've been doing lowbrow humor now just a, a note from the uh, the commentary for this episode from the DVD box set uh, producer Al Jean said that they actually asked Tiger Woods to be in this itchy and scratchy cartoon but he ended up turning them down yeah. well sometimes you uh, get lucky sometimes you make the right call and I think Tiger <laughs> Woods made the right call <laughs> <laughs> I think Tiger Woods got lucky in that he made the right call and he wasn't also hated by the country of brazil all at once yeah that's true he would have been associated with this he would have that's for sure and (laughs) people would have people would have disliked him for no reason just because of that episode 
<laughs> so, um, so cutting away from the commercial, we see Homer and Bart, they're on the couch laughing and Homer repeats the line, you know, that's what I call a moonshot. It's like taking credit for it. So Marge steps into the room, demanding to know why the phone bill is $400. They charged us for a call to Brazil. Why did you make a prank call to Brazil? No, sir, I didn't. Choke on your lies! <laughs> Homer, they must have made a mistake. Good reason to think that when you look back at that Australian episode where Bart was making prank calls. And racked up the huge bill. So I thought that was pretty funny. Kind of connects the, the two episodes a little bit. Marge assumes it's just a mistake. They're going to go to the phone company, get the bill sorted out. And there's there's a joke here about like the, the changing names of the phone companies. They can't figure out what company is theirs anymore. It's like they they use Comquack, Niagular, which came, became Vertiquile the previous week. Is that something that happens in Australia, Hamish? Do you get a lot of local companies changing names? No. Like, the thing is, like, uh, beyond the company changing its name to something that sounds just like the name it already is in a weird way, like, we have, we've had Telecom here for years, but then they changed the name to Telstra. Mm-hmm. So, same service, just slightly different name, and, and they changed the logo. So, yeah, it, it, it hasn't been a thing where it happens, like, constantly, but it has happened. But, you know, not to a degree where all of a sudden all the names of... Um, your telephone company changes. I mean, unless it's your internet provider, I think you just have dumb internet provider names. I think down here we have a few of them. I think one of them is called Dodo. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I thought that was a great name. Yeah, I mean, beyond internet providers, I mean, again, there's a lot more internet providers now. Um, yeah, tele- telephone providers now. I can't, I can't recall a time where we've had multiple name changes. Maybe we've had multiple uh, more telecom providers. But uh, yeah, beyond that, yeah, we haven't had this uh, a, a reshuffling in a very short amount of time of names. Yeah. I know Verizon was kind of a big one that kind of came up out of nowhere. And then like, even like I was thinking back of like, who were our cable providers over the years? And we had like media one, AT and T. And then uh, I think we had a couple in between like, and then Comcast became Xfinity. Like what, but there's still Comcast. Yeah. That's a, it's kind of a, a trend in business where, you know, if you tend to have really lousy customer service, you, all you do is you just change your name and say, we're a new company now. Yeah. And even though it's the same lousy company, but it's so, you know, if people <laughs> search online, they don't see, oh, you know, I don't see any complaints about their customer service because it's a new company name now. So. <laughs> so wait, you can do the same thing by changing the name of this podcast, make it all new and dynamic by getting rid of hitting play and calling it uh, dynamic pod. Yeah, depending yep. on the feedback of the Wolfman Jack episode, we'll we'll see <laughs> we'll see when when this thing gets labeled as Wolfman Jack the podcast. <laughs> yeah, there you go, Jackcast. No, that doesn't sound too good. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> no, no, but that's the point. It doesn't sound good, but it's completely safe. This is the same conversation you have to have with people when they have to tell them about the Jackcast. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, Larry, why do I need to follow this? What did you say it was? It's called Jackcast. It's about people talking about TV shows. It sounds like something completely different. Isn't that that TV show where the, those guys do those crazy stunts? <laughs> Close. No, no, this is all Wolfman Jack. So Wolfman Jack does all these crazy stunts and staples things to himself? <laughs> no, he's dead. Oh. Oh. Well, Lucas, I'm sorry to put you through this for your episode. No, that's I apologize. Fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. So 
So just back to the episode here. As Helmer continues to uh, sob, we cut to the headquarters of Comquack, uh, just as the signage crew is changing the name to Zovu Zovuvaz. <laughs> it's like a whole bunch of Zs and Vs. Uh, inside, we see Homer and Marge. They're marveling at how high-tech everything is. There's a lot of uh, cell phone displays, uh, some mid-20th century switchboards being operated by gossiping fembots. <laughs> it's a... Uh, a very uh, Futurama-looking design on these characters, which is pretty funny. But I love how their version of high-tech is like 50s technology, but just replace the operators with robots. Yeah, they're still I dialing... That, yeah, I that was funny. <laughs> they're, they're still dialing Murray Hill 56309, uh, you know, like phone numbers like that. So uh, finally, Homer and Marge reach the customer service department. I don't know why they make all the customers walk through the entire building, but here they meet customer service rep, Lindsay Nagel. Lindsay Nagel often appears on the show. You've probably seen her before. She's always like that businesswoman character or executive. Uh, her last name, Nagel, actually comes from a real person, Sue Nagel, who is the uh, president of HBO Entertainment and also the wife of Simpsons writer Dana Gould. And uh, her first name, Lindsay, was uh, picked by friend of the show, Matt Selman, because it sounded like the name of Quote, an annoyingly talkative woman. <laughs> so that's where wow. we get her name. We get some negotiations here between uh, Lindsay and the Simpsons. Lindsay wants to just cut off their service for not paying. Homer wants to cut off her ponytail. And uh, Homer whispers to Marge, like, this is negotiating. <laughs> that part was great. <laughs> Classic uh, Homer. So we cut back later, back at the Simpsons' house. Homer's on the couch reading an issue of Blue Pants Weekly. And uh, Lisa comes in saying that she needs to call Janie, but she can't get a dial tone. She's told that the service was shut off because they refused to pay their bill. This is yet another fight between the family and a utility. And almost immediately, Homer regrets his stance. We see Lenny leaning through an open window uh, to tell them about finding an, a box of old taco shells in a cooling vent at the uh, nuclear plant. <laughs> So, yeah, that, that was so funny to see Lenny standing there. And he's actually holding one of the empty taco shells. Like, it was such a big deal to him and Carl and all the guys at work. <laughs> so that was the final straw. Homer's like, oh, no, they've awoken a sleeping giant. Bart has his fingers crossed that it's some sort of crazy scheme. It certainly is because Homer asks that his tools and his beer are fetched. We cut to Homer climbing a telephone pole and he's going to try to attempt to get free service. And we get this long sequence where Homer is trying to plug wires into places they just don't belong and repeatedly getting electrocuted. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of those jokes where it's it's funny and then it's like, okay, it's it's not as funny and it's kind of dragging on a bit too long. But then they go further with it and just keep going and it starts to become <laughs> funny again. <laughs> like you said, it goes on for such a long time. And then we cut to homer just like twitching and charred lying on the couch like it's just pretty funny he doesn't uh, walk away unscathed in the in the next scene march says they can't take it any longer they'll just finally pay for the call to brazil and uh this is the first time lisa's hearing about this call to brazil she's like uh-oh and the family was shocked because homer even ruled her out as the culprit because she's the good one <laughs> right <laughs> yeah going back to season it's i think season four Lisa did something nearly identical to this. She racked up a really large phone bill calling the Corey hotline. And uh, I went back to the episode to check and Lisa racked up a phone bill of $378.53, which that's pretty close to the $400 phone bill here. 
So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know why they ruled out Lisa so quickly. But anyway, back to the episode. Uh, this is where we kind of learn what's going to happen here. Lisa explains that she had been sponsoring an orphan boy in Brazil named Ronaldo. His letters to Lisa stopped, and that's why she's been calling the orphanage. She, you know, she's learned that Ronaldo has mysteriously disappeared, and I guess she was pressured to make more donations. So we cut sometime, I guess it's later that night. Lisa shows the family a video that the charity sent her when she first donated. Uh, we cut to the VCR. We see that the video cassette is entitled Little Write-Offs. It's like, oh, man, that's terrible. <laughs> when I sent my first donation, the charity mailed me this video. Hi, Lisa. Because of your generosity, I bought sturdy shoes that will last for a thousand sambas. He also says that the money left over went towards buying a new door for the orphanage, and now the monkeys cannot bite him. Little known fact, we, in Brazil, we actually use our, the length of shoes lasting in sambas. (laughs) Um, And it's, it's by how many samba dances you can perform. So just thought you guys should know. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So where, where are you at on your current pair of sneakers? Uh, well, I mean, these are American shoes, so I don't really know, to be honest. But when I when I did used to buy shoes there, mine would last for a... What, what was his? A thousand uh, sambas. A thousand. Yeah, that's a good pair of shoes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, mine were like 200. <laughs> yeah. What's the conversion rate of that in, like, US? Is it still I sambas or something else? You. you know how, like, runners... I mean, I did track in high school for four years, so I, my coaches would always talk about, oh, yeah, you know, it's good to replace your shoes every, uh, I don't know, 500 miles. So I guess miles to Sambas, probably almost equal. I mean, one Samba dance does take a lot of steps, so it, it just might be about close enough. Wow, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but, but here's, here's the easiest way to check if you need new shoes. Just check the odometer. Just check the odometer. Yeah, uh, and it's the easiest way to easiest way to check. Good I mean, you know. <laughs> All right, good to know. I'll have to check the tag next time I buy some sneakers. So poor Ronaldo's talking about like the monkeys not being able to get in, and of course, just as he's saying this, three angry monkeys chase him back into the orphanage, and he says, "I am like sugar to them." Now, <laughs> Lucas, how many monkeys have you seen in Brazil? Uh, approximately zero. Okay. <laughs> I think if you count the zoo, it's still zero because I don't remember seeing a monkey at the zoo last time I was there in Brazil. But it's not like something you'd see like a ma- major metropolitan area. It's not like, oh, look, a, a monkey came in to the yeah, city, you know. So. Or, yeah, okay. Definitely so not. not. Not where I'm from. Maybe in the north or like near the Amazon. Because even like Manaus, the capital of the state of Amazonas, is literally in the middle of the rainforest. So it like even there i think that might be possible but i don't think in rio or in sao paulo where i'm from this <laughs> is certainly not what we get here the depiction of angry monkeys yeah yeah no, no like like sugar <laughs> okay but the the i think the blood being like sugar thing is kind of true because i don't know about you guys but when i go to the beach in the u.s they seem to go after me a lot more than my other american friends so i don't know what that has to do with it but I like to think it's because my blood has a little sugar in it. Wait, are we talking mosquitoes or are we talking monkeys? Mosquitoes. Okay, all right. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to blame it on my Latino bloodline, but I think that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> 
It might you might have to get your blood sugar taken, Lucas. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I don't think there's any bloodthirsty monkeys out there. But good thing. All right. So anyway, we cut back to the Simpsons watching this tape. Homer is clearly moved. Oh, that poor little boy. We've got to find him. How many people live in Brazil? 156 million. No. Bart even agrees. They have to find Ronaldo. And he's like gung ho about like, let's find this boy. Uh, The family just stares at him, not buying his concern. And he finally admits, Mm -hmm. okay, I want to go down there so I can meet a monkey. So Marge is concerned about the cost of airfare, but Lisa explains that it's much cheaper if they book their flight online, which you can tell this was kind of early in booking your travel online, you know? So it was kind of like a novel thing. Uh, But to get to Brazil, they'd have to change planes in Phoenix, Honolulu, Sun City, East St. Louis, which is like a running gag on the show where they make fun of East St. Louis, and spend a night in a haunted house and also leave right now. It's pretty funny. Now, Lucas, I was going to ask you, how many times do you have to change flights flying down to Brazil? I mean, they, they're obviously exaggerating here, but yeah, how many stops you get? No, make? I do. Cha- I do change once. There's been times where I've like I've never officially done it twice, but I think there's been times where I've seen options to go like two stops. There's been I don't. If I'm not mistaken, I remember seeing one through Texas, which oh, would wow. require flying to the like southern United States. And then back towards Brazil. But what I usually do or what I've done for the last 10 years was I would go, it first started out with my mom dropping me off in New York. So we would drive from the Cape to New York and that flight would go directly to Sao Paulo International. Like it's called Guarulhos International. So that would require a long car ride. Once I was old enough, we start, my dad started buying tickets with connections in them um, with layovers. So it would either be from Boston to New York to Guarulhos or Boston to Fort, like Miami to Guarulhos. But yeah, it's not too much of a hassle. I thought it was funny, though, how they said they could make the ticket cheaper by going to these places. My dad this year actually found cheaper tickets by flying from Boston to Fort Lauderdale. And I actually didn't go to Guarulhos this year. I went to, well, I was some, it was near... Let me remember. I don't remember right now, but yeah, it was like, it was stuff I've never heard before. So they kind of have a point in making that joke. But you, you never uh, had to make like a connecting flight in a country other than the U.S. or Brazil. It's usually. No, just... no. But there I've seen options for it. What airlines do you end up like connecting to once you get to Brazil or once you fly to Brazil? Well, I've always used American Airlines this year since my dad was looking for a cheaper price. He actually had we used JetBlue. I used JetBlue on the at the U.S. And then going to Brazil, it was this new airline came out. It was like I think it was established in like 2011, but it was very it was a good good airline. I I liked it. Um, it was called the Zoo Airlines, which is basically Blue okay. Blue Airlines in translated in Portuguese. So I think they definitely are associated with JetBlue or something like that. Oh, okay. And do they require you to stay in a haunted house overnight? (laughs) No, luckily. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so back to the episode. They make this flight. All their tickets are settled. Homer loudly declares, then it's settled. The Simpsons are going to Brazil. And uh, Bart comments that now they will have been on every continent except Antarctica's, Lisa points out, uh, leading Homer to secondly declare that the Simpsons are going to Antarctica next year. This year, Brazil. <laughs> and it was like at this point in the series, because I forget, what did we say? This was season 15, season 13. Um, was it 13? Yeah. 
So, yeah, so 13 seasons in, it was almost formulaic now how there would be like a Simpsons go to blank episode where there'd be some problem or event in act one. It would lead the family going to a new place for the rest of the episode. So, you know, here we get the phone bill is just going to be this catalyst for this travel episode. And here they totally calling it out, making Homer spell it out so blatantly. I think they do that in other episodes, too. The Simpsons are going to Japan, you know. Now, with that totally set up, we cut to black and a commercial break. So at this point, the show goes into a commercial break. So why don't we take this opportunity to take a commercial break ourselves? We'll pay some bills and we'll be right back. Coming soon to Hitting Play Records, esteemed award-winning thespian Orville Blackburn grumbles the hits. These are the lyrics to Cisco's thong song. Marvel as he recants masterful lyrics such as She had dumps like a truck, truck, truck. Thighs like what, what, what. Uh, truly inspiring. But wait, there's more. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard, and they're like, it's better than yours. Order now and receive the complete 26-disc box set featuring hundreds of songs. DJ blew my speakers up tonight. I'm a fight till we see the sun light. Tick tock on the clock, but the body don't stop And if you order within the next 20 minutes, you'll receive a bonus commentary album from Orville. What? Ridiculous. Some of it may be about the songs, and some of it may happen to be about those pesky teenagers down the street that he's definitely sure they're up to something, although he's not quite sure what. I'm sexy, and I know it. Order now. And we're back. Okay, so when we return, we cut to an exterior shot of the uh, the Simpsons' flight to Brazil. We see the airplane uh, cutting inside. Lisa is reading some travel tips uh, to Homer, and we see that it's out of a book entitled "Who Wants to Be a Brazilianaire." <laughs> Pretty funny. <laughs> so, Lucas, maybe you can tell us how accurate these travel tips are. So, the first one is only drink bottled water. So, how, how's the water in Brazil? I think it's kind of notorious for not being too good, honestly. We do. Brazil does. I don't know. My family always growing up, we've always had filtered water. Like we either buy a filter for the sink or we buy like the gallons of water or not the gallons, the yeah, the huge gallons. And then you put it on like you turn it upside down and put it on a drinking thing. The terminology is really not working in my head right now. But yeah, it, we've as far as I've known, we try not to drink from the sink. So I, I think in that point, they're actually kind of accurate. Yeah. Sadly, that's kind of like everywhere, you know, same here. I just, yeah. <laughs> we drink out of bottled water or filtered water too. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the other tip is don't get into an unlicensed taxi. I, I think that's also good advice <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. I think anywhere, Europe, <laughs> Africa, Asia, Antarctica, America. yeah, <laughs> even Antarctica. Yeah. <laughs> does, does Antarctica have taxis? I don't know. I wouldn't trust one if I saw it, though. Well, yeah, if it did and it was, if they did and it was unlicensed, I wouldn't get in it. <laughs> so, wait, if if you were going to walk through Antarctica on, like, a complete white sheet of ice, and then there's, like, a yellow taxi there, 
you're like, oh, I can't trust this. As long as they have their license. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was if it's an Uber? Is, does that count? I mean, Uber is kind of like a taxi, right? Are we trying to scope this in the exact same era? Or was it 2002 when the ex- episode came out, right? So they would not have Ubers. I'm right. trying to, I guess that's what I'm trying to think of. Do they even have uh, Uber in Brazil yet? Yeah, no, they have it. Yeah, and um, there was like a ta- uh, a thing in Rio actually where taxi drivers were like going on strike because how could they let Uber take all their business or something like that? And people played it down like it's like it's a business. You got to yeah. do it. You, know, you can't shut it down. So right. Yeah, that's, that's the same down here as well. You know, yeah. You have uh, Uber coming in and then the taxi drivers all went on strike saying like, hey, what's up, guys? What's this business? Kind of crazy. So the third thing that Lisa reads to Homer is that they have winter during our summer. And I think Hamish can confirm that for us. I'm not Brazilian. No, but uh, you're, still, <laughs> you're, you're in the Southern Hemisphere. Certainly. As in, is it cold right now? Yeah, we're, well, see, we're getting a little cooler here and you should just be coming off. So I bet you we're about in the same temperature right now. Well, uh, the season has changed. Uh, it is now here September. And again, like I said, I have hay fever. So obviously that means <laughs> that all the plants have decided to try and kill me. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, this, everything's kind of backwards uh, compared to you guys. You know, it's the, it's the wonders of this planet. Like, you know, Homer gets really hyped about how he thinks everything is like opposite day. They have winter during our summer. Wait, 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 wait. So in August, it's cold? And in February, it's hot? Mm-hmm. So it's opposite land. Crooks chase cops. Cats have puppies. No, Dad, it's just the weather. So hot snow falls up? Uh, yes. Woohoo! In his form yeah. of logic, if 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 the reverse of something that's normal to you, it must be like something like opposite, but like a hundred percent opposite to what you're living. Right, right. That's a thing that I didn't know if they were if that was a joke or not, because like crooks sometimes do chase cops in brazil so i don't know if they were trying to actually talk about the country at the time or it was just homer trying to be like homer being homer now um just talking about like the temperature so lucas you used to go down like every summer so you never really had much of a summer your entire life as a fan of hot weather i've spent too much of my life running away from it is how (laughs) i like to describe it um (laughs) Because I came, when I first came to the U.S. is January of 2006, so I went from the blaring hotness that is Brazil in January to the, like, freezing temperatures of Cape Cod in January. Um, very big difference. I don't, can't say if I remember it. I do remember one day my dad describing, uh, before I came for the first time, my dad describing that the temperature up here was like being in a refrigerator. So I had to test that for myself and I actually opened the refrigerator and stayed there for like five minutes until he yelled at me because <laughs> I had to, I had to train myself to get used to the cold, you know, that was my six year old mind thinking right, that, right. but yeah, <laughs> when I go down, it's actually winter, but winter there is really not that bad because the sun where I live has much more power, um, you can say than it does on Cape. So in the winter on Cape Cod, if the sun comes out, it could be like super sunny, no clouds, but it'll still be 
25 degrees, you know, mm-hmm. in Brazil, it doesn't matter how cold it gets or how cold the temperature is. If the sun comes out, it still warms up. So in Sao Paulo, actually, we have this like we have to keep up with any kind of weather because in the morning at 6 a.m., it might be 55 degrees. But by noon, it'll be like 78. Oh, wow. Um, and then it gets cooler as the sun goes down again. Uh, and then sometimes it rains. It's it's like you got to always be prepared in San Paulo. Like bring your whole closet with you, you know, bring a <laughs> rain jacket, bring a like a warm fleece in the winter. It's kind of like that. Uh, in the summer, though, you can always count on it to be hot. Is, it, is this because it's San Paulo is next to or near? Also, is it Tropic of Capricorn? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I've actually been there's like on a highway. There's a sign that says you are now passing through the Tropic of Tropic of Cap- Capricorn. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you almost said it in a different way. So, um, yeah. That's, sorry. I mean, some people don't like the heat, so maybe some people are calling it the Tropic of Capricorn. <laughs> the crap. <laughs> <laughs> My aunt says she likes the cold, but I'm like, but I always tell her, you don't know what cold is. Trust me, you don't like the cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah cold down there must be uh pretty nice to us oh yeah it's like 55 at the least and then you put like a some sweatpants and a sweatshirt on you feel great <laughs> so um so just back to the episode so you know we're done with lisa giving homer all these tips and we pan back to bart and marge in the row behind them and we see bart's listening to cassette tapes of espanol para dummies to learn what he thinks is the local language Bart is very excited, now educated to the point of being fluent in Spanish, but then learns that in Brazil, they actually speak Portuguese. Now, Lucas, you, of course, are fluent in Portuguese. Correct. So to that, I say, Right, right. right. You want to tell those guys what I told you? I heard <laughs> lightning rain from something, uh, pumpkin, and... Yep mushroom what? thunder well that, that's that's the only way i can speak to lucas thunder rain drive pumpkin yeah. help mushroom <laughs> all right no, i just wanted to say that. <laughs> that, that that'd be impressive if you're trying to pick up a girl in the bar who has no idea what you're saying i think that sounds <laughs> sounds you know like a magical language but you know thanks to lucas being here it sounds like you're a rambling moron. Yeah, I, I, I'm exposed <laughs> as the fraud that I am with my fake Portuguese, but I always like to. I always like the sound of, of pumpkin mushroom, abóbora cogumelo. This is that is that is exactly what that is actually. <laughs> that's your go-to phrase, is it? That's a go-to. Says, speak, speak another language. You, you go. You go there. Yeah, it's also good if you're mad, like oh, lampago, chuva, ajuda, cogumelo. Okay. See, see, my go-to phrase is "Madre de Dios, es apoyo diablo." <laughs> <laughs> is that from Futurama? No. <laughs> no. Where's it's that not. from? I've definitely heard that somewhere, though. Oh, I like, know where I know it's from. It says, obviously. <laughs> I know. I know where it's from, and I'm waiting for somebody to actually go. Hey, that's from that thing. I could tell you, but I just want to keep the mystery going. All right. Well, hit us they're, up on Twitter at Hitting Play. <laughs> If, what's if you Hamish know what talking about? <laughs> One. What am I talking about? Just generally, what am I? Yeah. What am I talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna bother yeah. me. I know exactly what you said. I just I remember this being from some show that I don't remember. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> it's gonna bother me. No, I'm it gonna, is. not gonna lie. It is gonna bother me. No, but Lucas, uh, speak a little Portuguese to us. Speak a little Portuguese. Um, 
Was that it? Ah, eu não sei. Eu não sei. <risos> eu não sei o que falar muito porque é, você não me deu muitas ideias para mim falar, mas eu tô falando porque você é que eu falo. Então. Now I know exactly what you said, but why don't you tell them what you said? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, said, I mean, I already uh, feel insulted. Yeah, I said, well, I don't really know what to say because you didn't give me much idea of what to say. But here I am speaking, so here it is. That's great. <laughs> but really, we have on Cape Cod such a large Brazilian community. It would have been so much more useful uh, to to learn Portuguese. But oh well. Wait, what language did they teach you in school? Spanish. I got French. I, 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 in my primary school, we had Italian, but in high school it was French. So, you know, I haven't been to either one of these countries, but you know, if I want to say, Ciao, come te chiami, me chiamo Hamish. Not bad. Ciao, I say to uh, my Brazilian co-workers, because that, that's Portuguese as well. Yeah. All right, so anyway, <laughs> we got to get back to this episode. So uh, Bart finds out, no, actually, they speak Portuguese, not Spanish. So Homer orders Bart to forget everything he just learned. He takes his phone and smashes himself in the head until he forgets every last bit of Spanish. It's all erased from his memory. Marge is kind of disappointed. You know, Bart finally applied himself and learned something for once. All gone. Weird side note. Uh, again, not dating this episode, but uh, Bart's listening to stuff on a cassette tape. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think they have those onboard phones anymore, do they? Um, I, don't, I haven't uh, been not, in a plane in not years. The last, not the last uh, plane I've, I was on. I'm sure they have some way to call someone. Like, they have everything else. I don't see why they wouldn't have that. But, like, how long does that flight take you to get from the Northeast to your destination in Sao Paulo? Um, so, usually, um, I like going through Florida because it splits up the flights a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's like a three-hour flight to Florida, and then I, whatever time it takes at the airport, then I go to Brazil. That's usually a 10-hour flight. Oh, wow. Like, from... Miami to or wherever in Florida to where I live and then that's usually and then from there it's usually like uh, an hour ride home from the with a car it's a long day oh yeah it's if you like add it up it's almost a 24-hour trip uh if you so if you account from me li- leaving my home in Barnstable Cape Cod Massachusetts to Boston it's about an hour an hour and a half then staying at the airport there getting on the flight going to Florida, staying at the airport in Florida, waiting for the next flight, then getting to the airport, waiting for my bags, and then leaving to my to my house in Brazil. It's usually turns out to be like a 24-hour trip. Wow. Yeah, so it's a long day. Usually tires me out. <laughs> now here with the Simpsons, we don't know exactly where Springfield is. We see that later on. It doesn't seem like that long of a flight, but here the the plane's finally about to land. And the captain makes the announcement that the local temperature is hot, hot, hot with a 100% chance of passion. Yeah, I thought that was really funny because I feel like that's something I want to say now. <laughs> uh, I, I think I do believe that, like, I don't know if it's just me. Like, I know I'm a very passionate guy about certain <laughs> stuff, but I, I like to believe that Brazilians are born with a little more passion. Not born with, but they learn to be more passionate i guess as they grow up uh-huh. like even soccer um or sporting events like i won't say soccer exactly because i would say brazilians are more passionate about like soccer than americans are about any other sport and even uh, i would get, i would say other things too but that's definitely my main example it's like 
when you go to soccer games in Brazil, it's about the game. Like when you go to Fenway, it's like, it's a social like thing. You, you, you know, you watch the game, but you also go get a, a Fenway Frank and other things in Brazil. You, when you're in the stands, you're supporting your team. You're there to support them so that they can win. Um, and when they don't win, you like either way, you're still there to support them. Probably one of the, like the most fun I have when I go to Brazil is when I go to soccer games. It's just like, it's, it's electrifying being in that, like being in the crowd with everyone cheering. It's like, it's pretty awesome. That's cool. Those are big stadiums. Like how many, how many do they fit? Not as big as like Gillette as, and other stadiums in the U S but the, the newer ones are pretty big, probably 50,000, 40,000 around there. That's cool. So do you see your favorite team every time you go down or how often do you get to go? Yes. That's usually my, like, that's a tradition me and my uncle have established. He took me to my first game when I was five, when my team was actually relegated at the time. It was in 2003. And then ever since then, he's always taken me to games. Uh, every time I go down, this year actually was the first year I didn't go because I, really, like, I was so busy doing other things. And I only stayed for a short period of time. But whenever I can, I, I go to games. I, it's one of my favorite things to do. And what's your team? Uh, Palmeiras. They actually oh, won the Brazilian league last year wow. they were the champions which was okay. awesome congratulations thank you <laughs> so um so just back to the episode we we cut back to springfield very briefly to see because they had to explain what happened to maggie and uh, we see she's at these spinster city apartments with her her aunts patty and selma they're not really doing much babysitting they're just kind of smoking and watching tv maggie is just diapering herself which is pretty funny very self-sufficient baby so uh, from here, we cut to Brazil, and the Simpsons exit the Aeroporto Internacional de Galeão. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Pretty is that, close. Is that a real place? I don't think it is. Um, be, as far as I know, the airport in Rio is the Santos Dumont, which is the guy who Brazilians claim invented the airplane, which I grew up learning, but Americans know it as the Wright Brothers. So I don't know. Yeah, you know, that's funny you bring that up. I remember seeing that in the opening ceremony of the uh, the Olympic Games in 2016. Right. Where they actually had, like, a CGI version of him, like, flying his airplane out of the stadium. And I, I had yep. never heard that before. That's the first time. Yeah, so I actually looked into this because I was so sick of arguing with my fourth grade teacher that Mong <laughs> invented the airplane and not the Wright brothers. So apparently, it depends on how you classify an airplane. Santos Dumont... If I'm not mistaken, uh, I may have switched it around. He invented the first airplane that took off the ground at a level plane and then rose up with a motor. And the Wright brothers, they did it before him, but it wasn't technically an, uh, an airplane in that it, was, it didn't have a motor in it. You know, they went off a cliff and then kind of glided. When I did research this, it, it's been years and years and years. That's what I remember from make, doing that research at the time. And I obviously, like, some facts may be twisted around. But that's what I remember from it. Um, and I think it was, like, a French article or something like that. Because Santos Dumont was actually a French-Brazilian. He was born in France, I, I believe. Or his parents were French. And he was born in Brazil or something like that. But, yeah. It was, like, it was really weird for me coming to the U.S. And then people being like, yeah, the Wright brothers. I'm like, who the heck are the Wright brothers? <laughs> it's this dude. And I remember having this girl in my fourth grade class was also Brazilian. She's like, yeah, I share his last name. Like, this is the guy. And she, at least she backed me up. I've always been like the scrappy guy who will argue with teachers when I think they're wrong. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was like, at least this time I have someone to um, back me up. And But they were like, no, it's the right, bro. I was like, okay. And then I remember doing all that research, being all mad about it. And I was like, okay, so this is what I got. <laughs> and basically what I gave you guys right now. Both claims have merit in different ways. That's yeah. That's interesting. So right away, the Simpsons get out. They see some of the notable sites. We see the Christ of Redeemer statue. And uh, instead of taking a taxi downtown, they instead enter a conga line, which Marge reads will take people anywhere around the city. And uh, Homer, of course, is very impressed with the physique of the man in front of him in line. But um, <laughs> conga line, is that is that something in Brazil that popular? Or is no, that... <laughs> I didn't care about a conga line up until I came to the U.S. That's definitely... Um one of those things they misplaced. So we next cut to the Rio days in arrow, which I thought was a pretty <laughs> funny name for a hotel where the, uh, the Simpsons exit their conga line. They look for lodging, uh, inside the lobby. Bart notes how much they love soccer. And he, he points out the lady behind the counter. She's kicking room keys to a customer who's juggling it, uh, kicks them to the elevator. We see bellhops are also kicking suitcases and shouting, ripping off his shirt in celebration of a goal. I think that goes on with the passionate thing. like, And, you know, soccer obviously being the staple of Brazilian culture, I guess, to the outside world. It's true. Brazilians do love their soccer, that's for sure. And they are passionate about it. So uh, we see Homer tries to copy this passion. He's kicking his suitcase, but he misses, uh, causing it to fly open, revealing to Lisa that he packed a book. Did you guys catch this title here? How to Loop Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a really thick book if you look at the, the drawing. So uh, later we see the family unpacking in their room, and now Bart is watching a scantily clad woman gyrating on his TV. Marge asks, you know, what are you watching? And Bart replies, it's a kid's show. Uh, cutting back to the show, the lady continues to dance, and there's a, a pineapple, a frog, and a flamingo joining her. Uh, we also see girls posing on letters of the alphabet behind them. Uh, now, Lucas, you obviously know who this is based on? Yes, yes, of course. Her name is Shusha Menegel. She's pretty big, I don't know, hostess, I guess, like reality TV show hostess. or just um, Yeah, she's she's big. I mean, you ask anyone in Brazil and they know her name, basically. Now, did you watch her kid show growing up? Um, I actually had her CD, Scott, whether you believe it or not. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, she's, she's been on TV forever, ever since I was born, even before that. And she, she's like not anymore um, because she's gotten older. She had a daughter and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, she, she was on TV for a long time and she used to, she used to have these albums come out like DCDs called like songs for the little ones translated. And, uh, I had, I think either the first or the second edition. So yeah, I definitely wow. know her. She was definitely part of my childhood. What was that? That hit song was a Lottie Lottie or something. Yeah. Lottie Lottie. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. That one. Yep. Yeah. That one even made, made it up to here. Now, yeah. Kevin, I was going to ask you this. Do you remember seeing Shusha as a kid on TV? Yeah. She was on a channel, I think it was WLVI in Boston, Channel 56. I think so, Early, yeah. Like, super early in the mornings. Yep. And I just remember, yeah, like, that was such a strange show. It was, it was unlike any other American show, I would say. So, yeah, they actually ran Shusha in America, or at least in our area. Now, how about you, Hamish? Did you ever see Shusha? Uh, no. No? <laughs> Unfortunately, um, yeah, it, it, it didn't come uh, down here. Um, unless it did, then I must have missed the craze, but unfortunately, no. Very early 90s for us, anyway. 
Yeah, I, I can't recall anything like that. I mean, it's just, you know, we're into highbrow stuff, if you like the idea of a puppet as a TV show host. I do, actually. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> so, I was trying to hype it up to make it sound like it was better than it was, and it really isn't. It's like a cheap-looking puppet with a very Australian-sounding guy talking to uh, a hapless woman who has to put up with this guy's rubbish. Wow. Well, you guys had Round the Twist. You know, we talked about it in an episode of this podcast. That was a great kid's show. So, yeah, maybe there was no room for Shusha. Yeah, we also had another show called Molly Grubs. A show called Molly Grubs, everybody. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how best to explain that show. I mean, you probably can just look it up on um, YouTube, but it's an interesting show. I mean, again, we're trying to work out some ideas. You know, they weren't all winners up yeah. that way. Yeah. But no Shusha. Uh, I re- it's funny because... Uh, I, from what I remember of watching the show, it's like, yeah, the parody here is pretty accurate. You know, she dresses very scantily clad. In fact, I even remember it when I was thinking about it. I remember one of my mom's friends, like, warning the other moms about, like, how Shusha dresses on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty funny. But looking her up now, man, I had no idea, you know, about uh, that she was, like, a very, like, how popular of a recording artist she was. Oh, like, I yeah. remember her song. Yeah. Huge. Huge. She reportedly even dated uh, Pele at one point. Yeah, uh, dated Pele, dated Ayrton Senna, who was like in Formula One, the best okay. results ever had. You know, huge. Or I, I don't know if they dated, but the, there was definitely like a little romance thing going. I was like in the tabloids. Uh, even reportedly Michael Jackson was interested in, in her. She was like an immensely successful talk show host. I heard that she was like almost like the Ellen DeGeneres of Brazil. Yeah, yeah, except bigger. Everyone knows about it. Like, she did everything under the sun. Guess how much she's supposedly worth? I'm going to guess over $100 million. $1 billion. Wow. Okay. She's, I, yeah. <laughs> she's a billionaire. That's amazing. So, you know, she's doing much better than the uh, the people in the other kids' shows that we had on Channel 56. <laughs> Unless the, uh, you know, like the Bananas and Pajamas are retired billionaires. Oh, I love the Bananas and Pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, those guys are probably uh, living on their own island. <laughs> uh, so, so, good for Shusha. But uh, anyway, so back to the episode, we see that the Simpsons hotel room was stocked with uh, a fruit hat, like Carmen Miranda used to wear. Uh, also, a mini bar hat filled with booze and peanuts, not like Carmen Miranda used to wear. And uh, they start singing the Chiquita Banana song. So, like we said, not even an accurate or somewhat accurate depiction of uh, Brazilian culture here. So Lisa opens the curtains to reveal beautiful Rio coastline, reminds the family that Ronaldo is still missing out there. So now they cut to the uh, family walking the streets of Rio to Buster Poindexter's hot, hot, hot. <laughs> 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 it's like you think they could get some, you know, music from Brazil. And even in the commentary, they're like, oh, yes, like the Brazilian song. Great Brazilian music here. <laughs> So, you know, Marge finds the neighborhoods charming. They're painted bright colors. But Lisa explains that they're painted like that so the tourists won't be offended. Like, really, you know, making some, not even just friendly jabs. You know, these are real digs into the city. In defense of that, let's say, I don't think that's something the government does. I think Brazilians just like to paint their houses. Because, like, I mean, when I go to Brazil, they're like, oh, sure, the houses all, they're like all really made out of wood and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, we're like, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, and, um, because that's exotic to them. But in Brazil, like we make we make houses out of cement, like, and so to make it like not so ugly, people like paint their houses like pink or yellow or green. 
for example, in my house in Brazil, like the garage part is green. You know, it's just something more pleasant to the eye to look at than gray, you know, cement. Yeah. So it, like that, the colorful houses is, is an accurate part. I don't know about the government trying to hide. That's not the reason why it's colorful. It's just people like the, like, you know, common people just want, don't want to look at gray cement. But of course, now it even gets more offensive that they notice uh, brightly colored rats streaming into the streets. Yeah, that was messed up. (laughs) Yeah, which Homer says, oh, they look like Skittles. Yeah, in defense of that, of my country, defense of my country in there, um, I've actually had more encounters with rats here in the U.S. than in Brazil. um, Because in Brazil, I've only had an encounter with a mouse when I was like five. And here (laughs) I've actually seen a rat in my porch. So... (laughs) about as common as it is anywhere else rats are rats you know yep. they will get anywhere yep that's true seen a bunch this season already yep so finally they reach their destination of ronaldo's orphanage at one two three papaya street like really inventive there uh, <laughs> we see that it's called orfanato dos anjos amundos filthy angels yep. orphanage that's terrible yeah i mean they translated it correctly so at least you knew what you were getting i guess <laughs> <laughs> this was pre-Google Translate, so at least they put a little yeah. effort into that. Yeah. So they they uh, they meet the nun there. They they show him the picture. Uh, he left months ago, and they haven't heard from him since. Homer hops on the nun's back, uh, asking to be flown over the city so they can look for him. This is a reference to the show The Flying Nun, and uh, she tells Homer that they can't fly. And you know, Homer's like, oh, too much junk in the trunk, eh? And she replies, yes. Classic. <laughs> So next we cut to, uh, how do you pronounce this, Luke? It's a Churrascarias restaurant? Churrascarias. Here the family is eating a, how do, how do you say this, Rodizio style meal? Yeah, Rodizio style churrasco, which churrasco in Brazil is just like assorted meats from different parts of like cows, pigs, chickens, anything. Have some meat on a sword, Lisa. It'll cheer you up. You know I'm a vegetarian. But you're on vacation, honey. I'm not wearing my wedding ring. Homer. Okay, on this map I marked all the places that Ronaldo liked to go. If we split up, we should be able to search them all. Now let's get going. Yeah, we have the uh, Brazilian grill here, which is, you know, my only yep. experience with this type of restaurant. Uh, is that what you have down in Brazil? Yeah, we usually, um, you can go, they have it as restaurants, but people like to do it in their backyard. That's what we would describe as like a barbecue or as a cookout. Invite a couple people over, neighbors, friends, family. People do it for their birthdays. People do it for New Year's, you know, since it's summer. They do it for just about anything. Or like maybe even this, when I went, you know, my uncle was like, oh, let's have a shuhasco, you know, because he, he has to be away from it for like 10 months out of the year. So, you know, let's do it for him. So it's really just a common celebration type thing. And uh, people have a grill and they'll grill the chicken, uh, meat, anything, anything that they can get their hands on, basically have a couple beers. And luckily in Brazil, I am old enough to drink, so <laughs> I can enjoy myself too. <laughs> yeah. What's the beer of choice down there? My, when my, when I went with my uncle, he bought Stella Artois, Heineken. I really, when I go to soccer games, there's a lot of Heineken. Um, but then there's like the Brazilian brands too, like Skull. I don't know if Skull's Brazilian, but you know Skull, Bra- Brahma, um, stuff like that. Interesting. So uh, here at the restaurant, they open up a map on the table, some of Ronaldo's favorite spots. And from here, they agree that they're going to split up 
to two search parties. And uh, I don't know if you guys notice here, the, the, the guy that they get the check from, he's the, the yes guy. <laughs> you mean the guy who had a stroke? Yes. I, I believe yeah. they call him either the yes guy or the Frank Nelson type guy. <laughs> but this is uh, his Brazilian doppelganger who only says, see? Like, what's yes in Portuguese? It is definitely not see. It's seem. Like, there's an M at the end. Yeah. So they even got that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Apparently, from I mean, from the research, the little research that I did, uh, what a lot of people found offensive is that the culture that they portrayed and the language, the accents, weren't Brazilian or Portuguese. It was a lot of Latin American culture. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, the Congo line thing. Um, you know, that that's what people were offended about. It, going along with the actually offensive stuff is that they didn't portray the culture correctly like you know they they took spanish or other latin americans things that and brazil is so unique uh i think compared to other latin american countries i'm sure every country obviously has its own unique part about it but brazil in that in the 12 countries like bigger countries that are in south america it's the only portuguese speaking one the only one with the heritage from portugal Brazil is just about as diverse as America. Like there are black Brazilians, Jewish Brazilians, Asian Brazilians, Native American Brazilians, you know, like, so I think that's what started the whole, like, oh, you didn't portray our country correctly. So that stuff going yeah, on. Yeah. Hey, 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 Lucas. Uh, yeah. The whole, the whole not portraying the country properly thing, I, I believe mm. might've been started a little bit earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, right. I'm not trying. I'm not. I haven't got an axe to grind here. I'm just saying that you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, you'll complain about something I already complained about. <laughs> really? Well, yeah. I mean, that's why I, I knew Hamish had to be in on this one because I, I know you guys would be kindred spirits in in terms of uh, yeah. you know your view of the, how the Simpsons portrayed your home countries for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin and I, we got the town episode. Man, we got off real easy. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, true. yeah. Yeah. Even I was proud of that episode. Not, I mean, I've lived in New England for most of my life now. So you get to claim both. So you got a bad one and a good yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, so bad. I just get one. You just got the bad one. Yeah. I just get the bad one. So so I get the bad one. You get a bad <laughs> and a good one. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Scott and Kevin are just sitting pretty. There's still hope. There's yep. still hope. The show's still going. Uh, yeah. well, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, anything can happen. That's right. All right. So. From the restaurant, we cut to uh, the next day on Rio de Janeiro's famed Copacabana Beach, uh, described by Bart as the heart and soul of Rio. Now, Lucas, did you ever go to Copacabana Beach during your trip to Rio? No. When I went to visit, my dad actually wanted to go to the beach, but my lame self wanted to go back to the hotel room and enjoy some air conditioning because it was very hot, actually. You were all business. Yep. (laughs) So Bart here and Homer walk the beach and they're whistled at a lifeguard for not fitting the dress code. And so this cuts to (laughs) Homer and Bart walking to Samba music, wearing very tiny speedos. And here we get a hilarious visual gag where Homer mentions with some concern that his bikini briefs keep disappearing. And we see his red speedo kind of wedgy itself. And Homer says, oh, well, and just kind of puts another pair on over it, and it does the same thing. And I love the line where he's like, oh, I hope they're going somewhere good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So moving on, Homer and Bart continue to walk the beach, and Homer sings a song about 
Walking the Beach in his Speedo that is actually a parody of the 1976 Peter Allen song, I Go to Rio. And he's, of course, horrifying all the beachgoers as he's walking by them. I, I think even one lady covers her head with a large jellyfish so she doesn't yeah. even have to look. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. Good reference to an Australian singer. I was going to mention that, yeah. Yeah, yeah Peter it's... Allen from Australia. <laughs> that's right. the wrong episode. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's right. The most Australian thing that they they could have uh, linked to is in the wrong episode. They were close, I guess. Oh, and so now to tie that even further to Kevin and myself, uh, the song I Go to Rio is on the soundtrack for the movie One Crazy Summer, which takes place on Cape Cod. So just to, uh, you know, if you if you want to hear more about One Crazy Summer, check that out in our archives. We did an episode about it. That was the so, uh, Greg Murphy one, right? Yeah, local comedian Greg Murphy. Very funny guy. And uh, happened to be a huge fan of that movie, uh, as am I. So uh, we had a blast breaking that down. So uh, meanwhile, Marge and Lisa go looking for Ronaldo at the local samba school. Okay, this is the samba school. This is not a lost and found. This is where we invented the lampada and the macarena. We are now developing our most powerful dance. I don't think my daughter should hear this. You can protect her forever. You stupid lady. It's like really mean for no reason. Yeah. I actually thought that was one of the funniest parts of the episode for me. I don't know why, but the guy saying you stupid lady, like at the, <laughs> when she left, it made me crack up like no other part in the, in the episode. Also, I wanted to comment on that, that. I think that's a mindset Brazilians have. Like you saw the TV show, with, like uh, the barely covered up women and stuff like that. I think, for the most part, I would say Brazilian parents are pretty okay with their kids learning things at a young age because they're they the way they feel it is um, they'd rather have them learn and teach them against certain behaviors and be cautious about it than hide it from them and have them do it anyways in the wrong way, you know. Mm-hmm. So like that's at least my parents' stance. I don't know. It's more an open family environment, I guess. It's like you're a kid, but you still live in the real world, so. Mm. What age did you learn the Macarena? Um, um, let me see. When did I get to the United States? Um, seven. Because <laughs> uh, it's not, not a thing down there. No, I know. That was pretty funny. The, no, yeah. The, the Macarena. All right. So from here, we cut to Homer and Bart. You know, they're the other search party. Uh, they're continuing to walk the streets. And they stop at a juice stand. And if you notice here, the sign features Guarana, Jambo, and Papa. So, Lucas, so have you had any of these? Uh, I've had Guarana. Guarana is actually a fruit that comes from the Amazon rainforest. It's infamous or famous or infamous, either one, I guess, for looking like an eye. So it it looks like an eye. The fruit itself looks like a human eye. If you're listening to this episode, definitely Google it because it's pretty freaky looking. It's hard to describe, yeah. Um, So... It's actually a very famous soda in Brazil, like a Guarana Antarctica is like the go-to soda other than Coca-Cola. But yeah, they make juice out of that fruit and it's actually kind of sweet. It's it's good. I like it. Yeah, the uh, the Guarana soda, my uh, coworkers that are from Brazil have brought that in many times. It's really good. And because, like I said, we have such a large Brazilian community here on Cape Cod, our local supermarkets sell uh, Guarana. Is it Guarana Antarctica? Is that the one you said? Yeah. That's like the, yep. the big one, right? That's the big one, yep. And when I try to like describe it to people, I don't know. To me, it's like like raspberry ginger ale almost. Yeah, it's almost like a ginger ale type fruit. Yeah. But it's sweeter. It's sweeter. It's not as bitter. Yeah. 
and the uh, I guess the seed, right? The nut is what they use for caffeinated drinks. Like that's in Red Bull, right? Is it guanana or yeah? Now the other two, I I talked to some coworkers, you know, I was trying to do my research here, and um, I asked them if they had had any, and I showed them pictures of the fruits. Uh, Jambo, I guess they're they're sometimes called rose apples. They're these little tiny bell shaped red fruits. The people that I work with said that it's probably something you'd find closer to the Amazon. Now, pawpaw is a little even harder to find online. I, I read that there's a mango-like fruit that's actually native to the southeast U.S. that's called pawpaw. It's not widely found because I guess it doesn't ship well. Uh, but there's also a mountain papaya native to South America that's also sometimes called a pawpaw. My coworkers right. did not know what it was. So even when I showed them the pictures, they're like, nah, nah, I don't know what that is. The only thing I can think of that's close to that is papaya, which it would be in Brazil called mamon. Something that's become like really popular recently, like even in the 2010s, is acai, which is like this ground fruit. Every first timer that tries it, like someone that tries it for the first time, they think it tastes like dirt, but it's <laughs> actually really good. It's like this ice cream. They make this ice cream out of it. Uh-huh. Um, and it's like a frozen type, almost like a popsicle type texture, right? And But it's actually very good. And they mix it up with M&Ms and like all this crazy anything you can think of and it's it's very awesome very good huh no like here they market it now as like the new like super fruit supposed to be like really good for you yeah but you're mixing it with candy yeah we do we i mean (laughs) that's just brazil like whatever food we can think of we mix it with everything else that's cool though so yeah homer asked this lady at the juice stand for all of the sweetest brazilian fruit drinks mixed together and it's this bright purple mixture that he drinks, and it's so sweet he has to lick the dirt until he uh, pants and falls onto his side and starts drooling. Like, it's just so overwhelming. And uh, they mention Ronaldo's name, and the lady overhears it, and she's like, oh, Ronaldo? There's got to be a million kids here. We'll never find Ronaldo. Ronaldo? You know him? No, no. I was just distracting you while my children robbed you. Zooming out, we see like at least six kids like tearing at Homer and Bart's pockets and then running away. It's like, uh, again, really terrible, yeah. you know, depiction of the people. But, you know, I was thinking about this scene and it's like, yeah, Ronaldo wasn't Ronaldo like one of the most famous Brazilian athletes like other than Pele. Yeah. So there's actually two. So there's Ronaldinho, which was the guy who played for Barcelona. Um, and uh-huh. he has like the long hair, like the buck teeth. That's what he's famous for. And but they played at like the same time, um, and then there's Ronaldo, which played for Real Madrid, and like basically they together they won the 1994 World Cup and the 2002 World Cup. Um, so they became like soccer legends. They both retired in the probably either early, late 2000s or early 2010s. So then, like then hearing the the name Ronaldo in Brazil, like it's not like that one kid has the oh, name. Yeah, it's no. like oh, yeah, such a famous name. Especially in a city as big as Rio, like the chance of you knowing this one kid named Ronaldo would be super <laughs> rare. Yeah. So anyway, cutting back to Marge and Lisa, they're, they stop at a stand with, uh, was it, Cotamundi hanging from the awning? These animals from the Amazon. Marge thinks, oh, they're like adorable stuffed toys. Let's buy one for Maggie. But when she grabs at it, they all start snarling and baring their teeth. And Marge is like, all right, I'll just settle for a bracelet. But that is actually a live snake that tries to bite her. And uh, she says, oh, everything here is something. We cut back to Homer and Bart. They have only one more place left. So uh, it's across town. So they're going to take a taxi. 
where they hail a taxi, but we see that it has the words unlicensed taxi on the door. So they get in going directly against a travel tip from who wants to be a Brazilian heir. And the driver pulls a gun on them and tells them that this is a kidnapping. My American friend, I'm afraid that this is a kidnapping. So that means I don't have to pay the fare. I I suppose. Uh, I'm afraid you don't appreciate the seriousness of the situation. Fine. Take me, but let the boy go. I'm afraid he has already gone. Oh! So the unlicensed taxi drives away. The sign on top is actually switched to hostage. And uh, we now cut to commercial with Homer being driven away. All right. So when we return, we open on an aerial shot of the of the Amazon as the uh, Miami Vice theme plays again. You know, no, no Brazilian music. They couldn't have gotten anything or anything composed for them. And we see that Homer's in a speedboat being driven by his two captors. Homer voluntarily placed a bag over his head because it smelled like cinnamon. But they uh, they removed it so he could see the beauty of the Amazon before it's burned down, which is, you know, kind of a biting commentary on the ecological concerns of the region. Now, have you ever been to the Amazon, Lucas? You ever flown over? No, I've never been. I mean, I've flown over it multiple times, I guess. But you don't see it because it's nighttime, um, usually on those international flights. But yeah, uh, as far as I've what I've traveled in Brazil, I've never gone more north than Rio, which is way south of the Amazon. There's a nice little joke here where Homer asks for another rest stop because he has the bladder the size of a Brazil nut, and it's pointed out to him that here they just call them nuts. <laughs> I was going to ask you, what do they call Brazil nuts in in Brazil, Lucas? I actually was not very familiar with nuts while I was in Brazil. I think that's part of where I lived though, because it was like a city environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, as far as, like, as I remember, the nuts that I ate were, like, those, the same ones you would buy, like, at the grocery store here, where it's just, like, mixed nuts, and you would just eat, you know, what's in the bag. So, so yeah, they're going to stop to let Homer go, and he runs into the jungle, comes back out with all kinds of uh, bats all over. In fact, he runs away into the jungle saying, suckers. He comes fleeing out of the jungle, covered in bats, yelling, ah, suckers. So... Uh, we now cut to Marge and Lisa. They're kind of defeated. They're back in their hotel room. And Bart walks up to the television so he can put on the show with the dancing lady again, which we learn now was actually a show called Teleboobies and that it's Brazil's favorite kids show. So uh, on the show, we see the directions clockwise and counterclockwise being taught with uh, two uh, st- <laughs> very strategically placed tassels. In fairness to Shusha, I, did, I never saw that on, on her show. Wait, wait, really? really? That's, that's, I mean, it's it's a very... I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, things are different over there. I'm going to make an inquiry right here to everyone. If you were taught that way, which way is counter and clockwise, counterclockwise and clockwise, would you forget it? No, probably no. not. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably would remember it better, right? Would, but you know, yeah. when, someone, when someone starts telling me about the globe and how it spins clockwise or counterclockwise, I, I would just tune out after that. <laughs> I'd be thinking of something completely different. It's, it's like it's like I, it's like I understand, but you know that's that that'd be me as an impressionable kid. But I never grew up like yeah you know, with that. I grew up with the old Sesame Street. You know, right, right. Unfortunately, they don't they don't deal with that kind of content on Sesame Street. <laughs> yes, yes, much different. So uh, so Bart tells Marge and Lisa that Homer was actually kidnapped. They should probably just wait for a call. 
he puts the show back on and we hear her saying on top of beneath on top of beneath but we don't know what she's doing uh we don't know how she's demonstrating this but we know it's somewhat salacious by the reactions on the faces of the simpsons family watching it it was a pretty funny joke so uh from here we cut to the local posto policial uh again if i don't know if i'm saying this right Lucas. It was good. <laughs> good enough. Marge begs yeah. the police to help find her husband and also Ronaldo. So, you want me to find your husband? Yes. And you also want me to find a little boy? That's right. I don't think there is a boy or a husband. I think you have a thing for me. Ah! I've been shot! <laughs> I'm flattered, but I do not swing that way. It's not even that he's you know, like this towards Marge. This is just some weird police officer who's like this to yeah. everybody. Now, we, we get a look now at Homer's situation, you know, as a hostage. He's shackled down to a table inside of a grass hut on the Amazon. Uh, a ransom note was sent, but Homer's not sure the family would pay because they've already seen him alive for free for such a long time. <laughs> that was That's good, yeah. So we cut to an exterior shot of the hut. We see the the speedboat is docked there. We see a giant anaconda entering the water. We'll see a little more of an anaconda later. Uh, we, we cut forward in time as Homer uses the kidnapper's satellite phone to ask Marge if they've come up with the 50,000 to set him free. And Bart and Lisa, they're, they're counting all of the coins, bills, jewelry, anything they could get. Uh, Marge tells Homer that with all of their savings and money and everything that Grandpa wired to them, they only have $1,200. Uh, unfortunately, that will only buy one of Homer's legs or something called a mystery bag. And the kidnappers are upset. They're like, they're telling Homer, you've eaten more than that worth of the food, you know, since since we've had you here. So they, they make him call around. So we get this this scene where Homer's calling different people begging for money. Mr. Burns was actually in a very charitable mood because he he's high on sheep embryos. How about I advance you the money and you work it off? No deal. Moe's Tavern. Hey, Mo. Oh, Homer, listen, I need 50 grand. Don't ask me why. No, oh, no, I need 50 grand. I asked you first. Fine, I'll send you 50 grand. Thanks. Oh, Flanders, I need 100 grand. Of course, Ned doesn't have the money. He offers his prayers, to which Homer hangs up, muttering some angry sacrilege. So, back to the family. Marge, Lisa, and Bart, they're walking Rio again. Lisa's just blaming herself for everything, for losing Homer, and she has all this sadness and self-pity, but she kind of starts to sway as they walk closer to what she describes as an intoxicating noise. And so they get closer to the music, and she begins to dance uncontrollably. This is all involuntary movement, and we see that it's Carnival. And we cut to very brightly decorated floats, samba dancers moving down the street. She's told by a man dressed as a bird that you can't run from Carnival, because even running is a kind of dance. And I love, this is like one of my favorite moments in the show. The man on fire. He's like, I'm on fire and I dance. <laughs> so uh, Lucas, R Carnival is very synonymous with Rio, but it, Sao yes. Paulo, was it big there? Yes. Um, it's actually, there's competitions based in Rio and Sao Paulo since they're like the major cities of the country. Um, obviously the one in Rio is more known to the outside world. But there's the there's the samba schools in Sao Paulo and there's the samba schools in Rio. And then they each hold their own like samba school competition to see like it, it's very it's actually 
pretty awesome. It's, it's like in the middle of February, which in, in the U.S., nothing's happening, you know, except Mardi Gras is the only thing I could compare it to, except it's much bigger than Mardi Gras is here in the U.S. But it's also it's like the whole week. It's just a huge party and people go out like on the streets and it's pretty awesome. So have you had to learn Samba? I never like went to any carnival festivities, I guess. But I learned Samba by myself because I felt like it was part of my culture. Mm -hmm. So like I looked up YouTube videos and like practiced until I learned how to do it. And there's like there's even Brazilians that you go up on the street and they don't know how to dance it. But I felt obliged to do it because it was just like something I wanted to do. Nice. So Marge now decides, well, she's going to just stand there and dance and worry at the same time. A great animation here of Marge doing a little festive arm movements and still we see the worry in her face. And uh, Bart notices that, quote, the stripper from the kids show is on top of an educational float and heading their way. And we see there's a dancing flamingo. We saw this flamingo earlier as Bart was watching the episode. And it takes notice of Lisa on the street below and lowers its head, yelling out, Lisa, Lisa. And to her surprise, the flamingo costume unzips from the inside, revealing Ronaldo wearing a pair of stilts. And so now we learn that Ronaldo actually left and became Flamenco Flamingo, and it all started with that pair of shoes that she paid for. He tried to write her, but he didn't know what state she lived in. So that's what we were talking about earlier. You don't really know where they are, and that's, of course, a long-running gag. It's not even a secret, because I don't think they actually define where they're from. Uh, Lisa tells him, well, it's a bit of a mystery, but if you look at the clues, you can figure it out. So uh, as Carnival continues, Ronaldo tells them to meet him back at the studio. Here is the ransom for your father. Are you sure you can afford it? I make as much as Malcolm in the middle. Like you said, 2002. So that probably would have been, um, you know, one of the bigger shows to follow The Simpsons in that Sunday night lineup. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't like Malcolm in the middle, middle was a great show, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, whatever happened to any of those actors? I mean, we don't see what have, have happened to Brian Cranston these days. Oh, that guy? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> He's just vanish off the face of the earth. I mean, you know, what a strange time. Actually, what actually happened to Frankie Muniz? Is he is he still doing things? I think he's a drummer or something now. He did a couple of movies, really? I think. Yeah, and I think he's in a band. Was he racing That's cars? Crazy. Yeah, yeah, he's very. I think I remember, he was a car enthusiast. I remember him in Big Fat Liar and like aging Cody Banks and stuff yes. like that. That's right. That's all I remember. <laughs> All right, so we jump cut to the Simpsons traveling by cable car to the top of Sugarloaf Mountain, where they are to exchange the money for Homer. Marge is unnerved by the tense music, so Bart turns a knob on the control panel and switches it to 70s funk, and then we get some more dramatic Simpsons music instead, which Marge is like, okay, that's perfect. And it, I don't know, that was a real strange meta joke in the Simpsons. You don't often see that. They comment on the actual background music being played. So they spot Homer heading their way on an adjacent cable car. Inside, Homer gives his captors a scrapbook he made for them. I made a little scrapbook to remember the kidnapping. This is a cigarette butt you burned me with. You slept like a baby that night. <laughs> <laughs> remember that, yeah. There's some pretty grim things in there, too. There's like a blood stain that Homer put in yeah, there. Yeah, That was like his tooth, like when he got punched or something. Yeah. Uh, there's a leaf taped to the page with the caption toilet paper. And he oh, even, he wrote poems like there was a poem entitled My Teeth Hurt. There's pictures of him with a bloody nose. There's like a picture of the captor approaching him with pliers. Like Homer looks back on it with fondness. But I mean, it's pretty, pretty dark. 
pretty dark humor in here. We see that uh, Homer really has the Stockholm Syndrome here. He's really identified with his captors. So they stop the cable cars across from each other in midair. Bart tosses them the cash. Homer jumps to the family's car, just barely hanging on, snapping the cable in the process, of course. And the captors mentioned, you know, we should have made this exchange in a safer place. But then we learned that the venue was actually Homer's choice. <laughs> he wanted to do it there. They, they crash into the side of the mountain. They tumble in their car all the way down. Once it stops, the family crawls out unscathed. Uh, Homer tells Marge he's better than okay because no matter how bad he screws up, she'll always bail him out. And, uh, and they kiss. It's like, oh, that's, that's not good, though. And uh, so while they share this tender moment, Lisa brings to their attention that Bart has, had actually been swallowed whole by an anaconda. So there, here comes back another anaconda in the episode. <laughs> and it's it's a real cartoony depiction of being eaten by a snake. Did you guys see it? Yeah, he was Still inside standing up. <laughs> you can even see the spikes of his hair. So stupid. And it's like a really, it's a goofy ending because he's like, oh, don't be sad. It's carnival. And you can see like Bart inside the, the anaconda, like the outline of him dancing. And of course, we get more of a, like you said, Lucas, like a, a Latin type of, like a Latin American type yeah. of music, Central American yeah. Caribbean music. And so from here, we cut to black, the closing credits, and the music transitions into kind of a, a, a almost like a Latin rendition of the Simpsons theme. I don't know if it's more of like a samba type of rhythm that they add to it, but that is the end of the episode. But, uh, you know, as much as we want to point out the things in the episode, like you mentioned, Lucas, I mean, kind of the big story here is the backlash. Right. Producer Al Jean noted that uh, the network was uh, very nervous about not this episode, but actually the episode previous to this one, because Homer smokes medicinal marijuana. They weren't really too concerned about this one. That episode where Homer is doing drugs got zero complaints, but the Brazil episode ended up being one of the biggest controversies in the history of the show. Um, we compared it to the Australian episode, but this actually got a little worse. The city of Rio de Janeiro had just previous to the airing of this episode uh, reportedly spent a lot of money on a new tourism campaign. And they were upset with like a lot of things in this episode, even the conga lines. You know, like as we mentioned, you know, it's like, come on. I can, I can understand yeah. their frustration. I mean, I just want to give my overall opinion of why I think this happened. And obviously there was like the actual blatant kind of offensive stuff like the rats and the the kids stealing money. Like I'm, that's going to trigger anyone. I think it's kind of just like, oh, this is what you think of us. Yeah. But I think the backlash came really from Brazilians own insecurities about Brazil since we live there, we know all the bad things that happen. And like, we're more critical of those bad things than anyone else in the world is. We don't want it to be like this, but we know it is right now. And like, we're trying to make it better. It's like, we don't need you to call us out because we already know. And like, please don't point it out. You're proud to be Brazilian. It's like, oh, you're proud of all the culture you have of going up to someone that you don't even know and them being friendly towards you and having that passionate environment like there, it's it's like no other but at the same time it's like you know what's wrong there and you you don't want that part to get out and i think that that would go with any other place sure yeah no it's very true and you know that that's just like you said uh, they got a quote from the uh the rio tourism board spokesman there was a, an article that came out about the controversy, and he said what really hurt was the idea of the monkeys, the image that Rio de Janeiro was a jungle, 
you know, like you mentioned, the Amazon is so far away. It's a completely unreal image. So, yeah, there were even some lawsuits threatened about this episode. Uh, Nothing ever really came of it. You can tell that episode was really a punch in the gut. It's nice to know that hopefully they were somewhat forgiven or at least, you know, it was kind of forgotten about and that the Simpsons are still pretty popular, you know, in Brazil. I was looking it up. They went to the World Cup in Brazil where Homer was a referee. He had to choose between giving the penalty to the Brazilian soccer player or not. I think we need to uh, revisit it. I think we know the next episode we'll have you on for. Yep. Good point. (laughs) Yeah. The episode was an episode. You know, not completely 100% accurate, but uh, I've been there. Yep, yep. But I think, you know, I, I mean, The Simpsons have been on for... I'd say almost generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I guess they're still trying to work out certain bits and pieces as they try to evolve. Because, like, you compare it to the old episodes where I remember when Bart had to deal with uh, Nelson the bully. You know, a pretty humble episode. And now they're just flying around to different <laughs> places. You know, it's, it's like the comedy had to have tweaks here and there, so I can understand why, you know, many of the vacationing episodes didn't really kind of click as well as they should have. Not to open up old wounds by revisiting this episode, but certainly The Simpsons had, uh, you know, a lot of areas in which they needed to improve. And uh, as we saw from the town episode, like, you know, we know they had local connections, but uh, they were a little more sensitive and lighthearted in the places that they visited uh, since then, so... Did they actually learn their lesson the next time they went to Brazil? Well, listen for a future episode. Maybe we'll we'll uh, go into it again. All right, and that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, your pawpaw recipes, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com. You can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play, or you can visit us at the Hitting Play podcast subreddit. Now, uh, Lucas, do you have anything you want to plug? Any place where people can uh, find you on social media or anything you got going on? Uh, no, I'm just a normal guy. I just have my own stuff. Uh, so I'd rather you know me personally. Uh, I don't have any business, anything. So, all right. But thank you, Scott. I'm all set. Okay. Everybody leave him alone. Hey, Mish. Yeah, I will leave him alone. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> to hassle people? Internet, type in Sant Hamish on Twitter. I'll probably pop up there. I'm also Instagram at the uh, Sant Hamish. I'm also right now lying on the floor. Because this hay fever is killing me. Okay. <laughs> oh, even if you want, go to Redbubble. I'm on there if you want to get a, a shirt with my face on it. Again, Sartan Hamish. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure I could probably talk about a lot of other stuff, but um, no. Okay, the, the, the links are in the description if you're listening to this. Uh, yeah, we got the link to the Redbubble shirt. You can get yourself a, a silent Hamish face t-shirt, just like, just like Kevin is a proud owner of. <laughs> Kevin, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, you can find my stuff at onewallcinema.com. Uh, I've got some mystery science theater type commentary tracks uh, and videos you can check out at gumroad.com slash onewallcinema. My kids have a uh, YouTube series called Kids Unboxing Stuff that you can check out as well. Um, I can be also found on Twitter as onewallcinema. Very nice. And check out uh, one of the latest videos of the uh, kids unboxing stuff as they open the uh, the hitting play box of fun. Yes. It's a great video. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not fun for me. That's right. Your kids, your kids kept dissing me in that video. So if you want to see kids trying to eat seaweed and make fun of Hamish, check it out. <laughs> uh, I'm on Twitter. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I'm also on Instagram 
Uh, my name there is MC underscore and underscore friends. There I post uh, little drawings and uh, humorous animations, my Vine stuff. Uh, if you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out. And if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. For Android users, we are also available to stream in or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio and the Google Play Music app, so check us out on those platforms. If you have a Roku device, you can download the TuneIn Radio channel, set hitting play as a favorite, and you can stream these episodes right through your television. And even if you have uh, an Amazon device that's Alexa-enabled, you can uh, check us out through there. All right, well, we have been Lucas, Hamish, Kevin, and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Obrigado por escutar Hitting Play conosco. Até a próxima vez.